from Palma de Mallorca to the global super yacht community. Super Yacht Radio. And welcome to the Overboard Show. We have the pleasure today of being joined by Cynthia and Winston Zap. Excuse my pronunciation. Zvadnet. Um, am close, I correct? Zvadnet. Zvadnet Hovey. Zvadnet Welcome to the show. It's lovely to have you here. So, Thank you. Looking forward to this. Wow, you two have had quite an adventure. Can you take us back? I'm, part of this is you've written your adventure recently in a, a book called There's a Yacht More to Life, but we'd love to hear how it started. You did not start in sailing in the early days, did you? Well, I did. I had, um, I had a partner and we bought a, a, a 50-foot sailboat in Long Beach, California, and uh, decided that we would um, load it up and take off uh, and head south. We spent a year traveling through um, western Mexico, through the canal, and back over to the Caribbean, and we eventually ended up in Fort Lauderdale. And uh, so that took a year, and that was quite an adventure, and that was my first experience at sailing, of course. uh, That was well before me. Okay. I... uh, I received quite a bit of experience uh, in various conditions. And, it, and was, uh, it was just two of you sailing at the time? Uh, there was two couples. and Well, it started off to be two couples. It ended up being three of us. Uh, so uh, we did a mock trip to Australia to see if we'd all get along and camped. Camp. My partner was Australian. And... Uh, so we uh, camped around uh, Eastern Australia to see how everything was going to work out, and um, somebody got eliminated. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then we took off from uh, San Diego. We had our boat in San Diego and uh, headed south. And we ended, like I say, we ended up in Fort Lauderdale in the yachting community, and we were just overwhelmed by the whole deal. It's kind of funny because... Uh, Winston then also was crew on the Principia, which is a classic yacht. And um, as we've done our career of 20 years, we've run into Principia several times. Wow. So it's pretty funny how uh, the yachting world is, is so small. And, and then where did you two first meet and the romance start? Well, we actually met on the beach in La Jolla, California, at Sea Beach. Um, we were beachgoers, and I lived at that beach area. And uh, I had moved from St. Louis, so I moved to La Jolla and took me six months to find Winston. He'd been there 14 years waiting for me. That's the way I always tell it. Uh, But we met on Windensee Beach. Then we lived on Windensee Beach. We got married on Windensee Beach. And all in between that, we uh, snuck in 20 years of yachting. Wow. Which is quite a testament as well when we consider how close you have to live together on a yacht. To no live and we, work together yeah. is quite a testament to love, huh? Yeah, we've been married. Technically, we've been married for now 13 or 14 years. And um, since we've been working together and living together 24-7, within 100 and so feet of each other, we really think that we've had about 75 years anniversary. <laughs> you can multiply it And out. I think most crew, most crew couples will relate to that. I would say they would. And um, I, I believe then you went and, and lived in San Diego for a time. Um, yeah, we uh, lived in San Diego. Um, well, when we bought the when I bought the yacht, uh, we we were in San Diego. So we we moved from Lake Tahoe. We were we were um, I was you know, part of the ski industry in in Tahoe, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then we switched to sailing and. Uh, uh, yeah, we, we were in San Diego until we finally uh, um, kind of uh, worked our way into the Caribbean. Uh, we both had careers in San Diego. Uh, Winston was in the building industry but as a contractor, and I was working as a VP of marketing and, and uh, public relations. Right. And so we both, had, we both had these other careers before we got into yachting, which is a little different than a lot of crews. Indeed. And Cynthia, had you had a childhood sailing at all? I 
can't imagine no. moving from St. Louis not, that you did. Not sailing, right? But you're right on that. But uh, we, I was always on, I was always playing on the water. We did canoe trips all the time in Missouri, and then I also dabbled in in sailing. And Winston and I sailed from Hawaii to San Diego. We were crew on a boat that was coming back from the transplant pack. Wow. So, uh, yeah. So I had quite a bit of sailing, but I had not done uh, much on my own at all. He infected me. I, I think that is universally one of the things of people we've talked to all across the world in all different locations. Um, when we asked them, how did you get into yachting? It uh, Almost universally, there's a connection to the water, whether they grew up sailing on a dinghy with their dad or they just love to be by the sea. Um, I think for all of us, it's that connection of being close to water that has inspired the passion of of sailing exactly exactly you know when when winston and i first met on that beach he's one of the first conversations we had he said to me you know you seem like the kind of girl that would like the caribbean <laughs> and he had a charter already booked to go to the caribbean chartered a bear boat and um his girlfriend had dropped out and they'd broken up so he was trying to fill the spot and he was dead on because I'd never been to the Caribbean, and he was right. I loved it, as you can tell. We then spent years and years at it. Uh, we went on that first charter together and, and um, continued about four years later. We saw an ad to come and live at a pirate's house, a pirate's pub, and work in paradise. Come and live and work in paradise. Wow. Winston took a picture of that. Yeah, I took a picture. We were down there on the, on the bareboat charter, and... She was a VP of a pretty big uh, company, and uh, I said, let, let me take this picture, and you can show it to your boss in, in case he uh, has any wild thoughts. Well, lo and behold, um, her job kind of expired, and I had that picture, and I blew it up so I could see the number on the bottom. I said, hey, what the hell? Maybe we should give them a call and see what's going on. <laughs> And um, sure enough, they were saying, yeah, we need somebody, uh, blah, 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 blah. And we looked at each other and looked at all our stuff. and Our uh, grand, grand piano. And we lived in a glass piano, condo. Antique furniture beach. and a full glass house overlooking uh, the Pacific Ocean. And we went, wow, what do you think we could do? So we, uh, the lady said, hey, yeah, come on down and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have a talk. And... Uh, so we kind of looked at each other and said, what do you think? <laughs> so we went down there and, and <clears throat> got a small little bear boat and sailed around and, and um, just sort of felt the islands out and then went to the interview. It was um, kind of a reconnaissance mission. We wanted to find out from people there what's it really like to live and work there. It's different than going on vacation. Indeed. And this was the U.S. Virgin Islands, was it? No, it was a BVI. Oh, a BVI, yeah. sorry. Yeah, and out of um, out of interest, when when you told people your idea, and and I say this from experience of leaving Ireland to go to the south of France, um, uh, we got two main comments: either "Oh God, I would love to do that," or <laughs> "Are you crazy? <laughs> you know why <laughs> why sell up and have all the things that we think anchor us." for this adventure when you don't know what you're doing. Did you get similar reaction from your friends oh, and yeah. family? Oh yeah. We, they, they said, you're going to do what? <laughs> you're, you know, we were, we were living pretty, pretty good where we were. And uh, moving to a grass hut was quite going to be quite the change. But I, my kids were, were already grown and on their own. And they both said, great, we'll have a place to vacation. <laughs> so. But I, think, I think the hardest thing for us was uh, we had all this stuff and uh, we were saying, what, what, what are we going to do? I think the hardest thing for me was to see that muscle car Mustang drive down the road with somebody else in it. Uh, uh, indeed. And then uh, we, uh, I agree we tried that. to do, we tried to do the, uh, the uh, garage sale type stuff and that, was, that didn't go well. So we just had an estate company come in and they just, they said, we'll give you X amount of dollars for everything. We went away for the weekend. We came back to a completely empty house. We were blown away. They took the junk drawers. They took everything. <laughs> I went, oh my God. <laughs> we actually took pictures 
of our place when we came back and we were we couldn't believe it wow yeah so How that kind of left us with with you know the freedom to kind of go okay what are we taking to the caribbean yeah well before we before we had that sale um we did pack up for the caribbean and we took six ups boxes that's it they were like so two feet by two feet and uh, that's all we took. And we did not put, the only things we put in storage were our ski equipment <laughs> and our family photos. Everything mm -hmm. else we got rid of, unlike some people who store everything and pay a lot of money in storage for years and then come back and sell it all. Yeah. We decided to get rid of it in the first place because we really wanted to commit to this lifestyle in the Caribbean. We were looking for um, living and working in paradise, having a sustainable salary. Well, I think... And that's one of the, well, one of the most profound experiences I had of, of similar, I, I have to say, we stored a certain amount in our parents' attic, which stayed there for the better part of 10 years. And I actually just <laughs> ended up clearing it out. Most of it never made it to our new destination. But I know when I arrived in France, I had this fantastic feeling of freedom. All of a sudden, I realized I really didn't need that much stuff. I needed Dave, my husband, I needed at the time my two girls and the dog came with us and the car filled with a couple boxes. But actually, all these things that I had thought were really important to me actually were just stuff. Yeah. And, and isn't that a wonderful lesson to learn? Yeah, really was. Because we still feel exactly that way. I mean, I look at someone that has 20 different shades of lipsticks <laughs> and just shake my head. Because I only have three, you know, it, it uh, and and just a few pair of shoes. And most people say, well, God, what do you do with all your clothes? Don't you need all those clothes? And and being on a yacht is really good training because there's no room for anything. Mm. When you're in a crew quarter, even on a great big boat, the crew quarters are little and the storage is almost non-existent. So we learned very well and it, it uh, infected us. We still feel that way. We go into a store and don't want anything, which is a great a great free feeling. Yeah, you only really get what you need then, which yeah. is a, a nice way to live. Yeah, and if you if you want something, you got to think about. Well, I want that shirt. Well, uh, which shirt am I going to get rid of? <laughs> Limited space. So take us to the pirate the pirate hut. Um, what was to be your role uh, starting off in a at a pirate hut? Um. Well, how do we start here? We just... Um, I was the manager and Winston was... The, I was the manager of the bar and the restaurant, which was just a cheeseburger in paradise, paper cups, paper plates restaurant, and uh, and basically was a dock around a little point. The island was three quarters of an acre, and the bar, which was called Pirate's Pub, was an icon in the BVI. Every sailboat made it a destination to get to that bar, mm. um, preferably for the full moon party. But Winston was the operations manager. So he took care of the water makers and the generators and all that stuff because we didn't have electricity there. So oh. it was great training to get on the yacht because it was all the systems that are on the yacht. We didn't have air conditioning, however. <laughs> just, just opened the windows. I was going to yeah. say just the breeze coming in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, there was a really good trade winds. Um, that part, the, the beginning of the book, which is about our transition to Sabre Rock, and that funny job there um, is one of my favorite parts of the book because it, it really is an eye-opener to what it's like to have a, live in a grass hut, cross, a, cross over to another island in a dinghy to cut down palm tree or to pick up palm tree fronds from the ground, carry them back to the, to the hut, and put them on the roof because the roof was tin and it was making so much noise we couldn't sleep. When it rained. <laughs> yeah. And it, it rained in... It rained in um, so much one night in the middle of the night we had to get plastic bags and staple them up in the in the uh air holes so that we wouldn't drown and then in the morning we woke up to a sauna because it was so hot wow. so we, we had lots of funny experiences there on that tiny little island and the bar the rule of the bar was stay open till the last person leaves so sometime it was four in the morning wow uh, and they danced naked on <laughs> often occasions so uh, yeah, it was quite it was quite the party place. It was very Jimmy Buffett style. And, and very uh, sociable, I would imagine. You know, if, if yeah, it was the destination sociable. point, um, yeah, a great way to meet people. 
Well, we on any given day, we would have anywhere from 30 to 50 yachts uh, on mooring balls or at anchor out in, in the leeward side of the island. There's a, there's a funny story about a sailboat that came in, and it was flying a um, New Brunswick flag, which is the, the, the where Winston is from in Canada. So he went out to talk to the people because he saw this flag, and uh, he thought he'd invite them in. Yeah, I invited them in for it. I said, come on in. I'll give you a free, a free, um, I'll buy you a free drink of rum. Well, they showed up at the bar and I, I forgot about it. And uh, come to find out, one of the one of the guests on the boat was an old girlfriend of mine from high school. She grabbed, Winston, she grabbed Winston's <laughs> face and said, oh, my God, you're a Winston? You're a Winston? And she wrote in the guest book about four pages about what a hunky was in high school. He didn't even remember this. And then later she mailed us a photograph of the two of them in the backseat of a car. Oh, my word. Now, that's a small world. Indeed. Goodness. Yeah, that's, that's is, out of interest, is the bar still there? The bar is still there. However, when we lived there, it was basically a grass hut held together by a rusty safety pin, three quarters of an acre at low tide. Now it has morphed into, and it, actually it just got blown down by Irma, but it is being rebuilt. And now it is a, quite a very a nice resort, very posh with hotel rooms and uh, grass. We never had any grass, uh, palm trees. It, it's a beautiful place now. It is definitely not our little Jimmy Buffett Sabre Rock Pirate Pub. And it probably That's has electricity too. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. kidding. It does have, a, and air conditioning. And we were within a, you know, a stone's throw to the Bitter End Yacht Club, which is um, pretty popular amongst yachties. Uh, but uh, being on Save a Rock is how we actually got into the to the chartering business because the charter companies yeah, would there call was Winston. Several charters, charter companies in uh, Tortola, when they found out that I was an ex-sailor, <clears throat> they would hire me to do uh, shakedown cruises for. Um, charter guests that they were a little skeptical about and uh so i would go out and make sure people knew how to how to trim and anchor and maneuver uh and you know, navigate a million dollar yacht around in an anchorage so <clears throat> a lot of those charter those bareboat charters knew how to sail but they didn't know how to anchor or they knew how to anchor but they never navigated anywhere um you know so so they needed winston to kind of brief them a little bit. And just to get a time frame, this was during the 90s? 94, 95, 96, 97, yeah. yeah. Okay. We moved into motor yachts in 2000. Um, yeah, we did sailboats first in 98 and then motor yachts in 2000. Out of Fort Lauderdale, we are, our first uh, mega yacht was uh, sailing to the Bahamas. And, uh, and it Texas. all started there. We actually were at a crew house in uh, Fort Lauderdale and just through connecting and networking with with people, we were a little bit of a find because we were we came from the sailing come from a sailing background. Uh, they always would say that uh, it's easier to go from uh, um, sail to power to than it is to go from power to sail. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Funny, we were talking about that oh. earlier. Um, there would be at the moment looking at a crew recruitment agency in Fort Lauderdale. The proportion of sailing yacht jobs versus motor yacht jobs is a, at least one to four. There's a lot more motor yachts, and yet I, I would think the transition is um, much more difficult to go from motor yachts to sailing yachts because you really need to know how to sail, which is a different yeah. set of skills to what you need to know on a motor yacht. Totally. Well, there seems to be different systems. You know, you have rigging and... and um Reading yeah. the wind is another um, yeah. another trait that's uh, a feather in your cap. The other thing too that uh, when when Cynthia and I first started off, we we were kind of at the pioneer stage of couples working together. In in the beginning, they always tried to separate us. They said, "Well, be okay. You go. You can go skipper one boat, and she she'll have to chef on another boat." Well, we kind of said no. <laughs> we kind of stuck to our guns and came in as a team, where we both were captains. We both had captain credentials. And um, uh, so owners would look at that and say, oh, well, I'm getting two captains for the price of one. Yeah, it helped It helped with their insurance that we had two licenses. Winston has 500, I have 100. 
um, and, and and Winston was the captain and engineer. Um, I was the the chef, the the stewardess, the the um, deckhand, first mate, everything. So <laughs> Jack it, of it all worked trades. out. When, yeah, and as we got to the bigger boats, I was the captain. She was the admiral. <laughs> I love that line. Spoken um, as a as a good husband. <laughs> as a very good husband, he gets points for that. Um, we we um, as we moved to the larger yachts, we still wanted to live by ourselves. We still wanted to be in a in a situation where we had the yacht to ourselves when the owner or guests were not on board. But of course, when we were delivering, or if we had a really major charter, we would hire extra crew to help us with that. We always, and we could hire, the, all, we always worked with owners who said you can hire out for all the wash downs and that kind of thing. Um, it, it, you know, one, one time Winston, tell that story about the people saying to you, wow, you're, you're wiping oh, down a boat. Yeah. I was up there washing the boat down and these, and these other crew was watching me on a daily basis and they said, aren't you the captain? And I went, yeah. And she said, what are you doing washing the boat down? <laughs> yeah, because, yeah. you know, on some boats the captain wouldn't do that at all. But no. him. But I, but I think uh, um, possibly as well, there is, and I say this as a mother of, of millennials and Generation Zs, and um, there is also a shift in generations. You know, I, I grew up in a big family. We all had many jobs to do, and you, even in work, it, it kind of kept with you. Um, our generation were, if there was a job to do, you were happy to do it because it needed to get done. It was less about, this is my role, therefore I don't want to do something outside of my role. It it was more, uh, and particularly when you're a small team, um, everyone's got to take a role. Yeah, there's no pink and blue jobs, as we call it. Yeah, we both did everything. So um, when you were moving from... So you said you moved from kind of smaller yachts to bigger yachts. Uh, what size are we talking? Was it initially kind of, um, and I think more in meters, I have to say, than feet, but... Um, yeah. Well, our sail... We, we went up to about 130, and then we uh, we did a couple, uh, we did a charter season, and then we, uh, as, we, we as had the season wrapped crew. down. Yeah, we had five crew, and we decided we didn't like that. No. We really preferred just the two of us because that was five full-time crew. And we did a lot of freelance people on board. Um, when we needed know, them. For, just for the charter season or people would move yeah. on. Um, they would go from the Caribbean to the Med and back to the Caribbean. Yeah, um, the, the size mega yacht we prefer is around 100. So we had a pretty good list of, of really good people that we could rely on. And we if they liked us, they came back. If they did they didn't. <laughs> well, I think I think that's one of the biggest dynamics of the yachting industry is, um, and it, it affects it in many ways, but that you are very different to other industries. Who you are working with, you are also living with. They can be, become your best friends and the people you rely on. They can also become you know, the people that are most challenging to work with. Um, right. The human dynamic of working in the yachting industry is is a huge one, because you are in very close quarters and living and working together twenty four seven, and of course, ultimately, um, you also have the management of the owner or the charter guests who can be lovely, and who can also <laughs> be very challenging personalities, as I'm sure you know better than anyone. Yeah. <laughs> To say the least, we yeah, we, yeah. we got pretty lucky though. We we had really good people, for the most part. In our in the last stages of our of yeah. our career, we were we were we switched from charter to private, which uh, yeah we we had, had to, you had to change the whole dynamic dynamic. Uh, we had great uh, almost almost always we had pretty pretty good charter guests. We had a couple that we considered our worst, but all those stories are in the book. Um, but as far as owners go, we had quite a few owners that were very challenging, very challenging. And um, so we, we, uh, we, we went to, we were on several boats before we found the one that we stayed on for seven years with one of the best owners I think ever on a very good boat, old, but really, really good. And, um, 
And that we wanted to, to finish our career on that note or actually do semi-retirement on that note. We told the boss, he would say, when are you going to retire? And we'd say, you know what? We're not retiring until you retire. <laughs> and then he got sick and had to retire and subsequently passed away. And that boat went up for sale. And we said, you know what? We're not going to go on any more boats full time because that was the pinnacle of our career. Now we do freelance. So we have, we have charters set up uh, in the fall in the, um, or winter for some Caribbean charters with people that have asked us to do it for them. And, um, and we do deliveries and things here and there. But uh, not, we're not going to do another really? full-time one because really? we left on a high, high note. Um, yeah, we do relief captains and that kind of thing. How would you describe, since you have long experience of both, of both um, the difference between chartering or a career in yacht charters versus a career on private yachts? What would you think are the biggest differences in some ways? Well, let, let, I think sometimes uh, we had more fun with charter guests. <laughs> you know, there was more activity, more stuff going on. More variety. Uh, private yachts were, you know, sitting around reading, uh, um, going out to expensive restaurants, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think that. I think that's when true. we were on charter, we had more toys, more more of a of a uh, professional. Uh, uh, galley work and that kind of stuff. Yeah, most charters wanted to play. I, that's another thing Winston brought up, the galley work. Um, on charters, I would do these beautiful, fancy plates. Um, and and our last motor yacht, which was seven years, first of all, the owners wanted family style, which certainly isn't pretty. Um, and it's challenging to make it pretty. I did, but they really didn't care. They just wanted a family style. They were Norwegian. And, uh, and they also did not want fancy food. They didn't want any sauces on their fish, God forbid. <laughs> so that part was a little, a little challenging. And for a very well-trained Cordon Bleu chef, that would be horrible. For me, it was wonderful because I didn't care about whether I needed to serve an uh, extremely fancy meal or not. And was, so that worked out for me, but I it would, wouldn't work out for everyone. I would think provisioning is a, a lot simpler as well when you have simple meals to produce. No kidding. We're talking fish, potatoes, and carrots. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> we can all pretty much manage that. <laughs> we got a little. We got a little behind. Uh, behind things when, when we went to that, I said, "Oh my God, no more plating up. Just yeah. put it all on a on a big platter and put it in the middle of the table." It's certainly easier. <laughs> certainly I easier. Imagine. I would imagine, and of course, being in the Caribbean. You know, let me. Let yeah. Let me also say, when you were talking about the difference between charter and, and private, that when we moved from sailboat to motor yacht, we met with someone and we met with a major broker, one of the gurus of the broker, broker industry and, and the yacht broker industry. And he took us aside and he said, you know, I do want to tell you, you're going to have, you have, going to power is a lot different because sail people are your friends. And Moriats, you're the servants. Huh. And that was an interesting thing. And it kind of, you know, we wondered, well, do we want to do this? But we actually, of course, did it. And, um, and we didn't find that on the, in the chartering, because we were on that size yachts, 100 foot, 110 foot, we, we, uh, our, our charter guests were very affable and very talkative and very friendly. When we got to the private yachts, some not so much. Some did want us to be servants, and we didn't. We don't do well with people who wanted to be flat-out service, and then we would just change jobs because we didn't like it. Understandable. Um, I, I'm also wondering your career spanned over what was it, 15 years more or less in yacht in in say 20 years. 20 years. So um, from the 90s up to the when did you retire? 2000 and Two, year, uh, yeah, 2017, uh, 2018. Wow. So uh, the changes in the industry, you must have seen profound changes. And even I, I can say from our sort of 15 years of living between south of France and here in Mallorca, um, there are profound differences in, in particularly the motor yacht world. Um, I'm sure you saw a lot of changes in the industry over that time as well. 
Yeah, when we were when we were first down in the Caribbean, especially in the BVI, uh, you rarely saw a motor yacht. And then all of a sudden they started showing up. Each year there'd be more and more and more and more. And then I think the marina industry decided that, uh, hey, we got to change our, our tune here, and we got to make we got to make room for these big yachts. Uh, which back then, which wasn't really that long ago, 2000, there wasn't a lot of places for big yachts to park. You know, you were either anchored out or there was one or two spots that took up the entire marina. Um, and as time went on, we started to see uh, the evolution of, of bigger and bigger motor yachts showing up in the Caribbean. Um, most of them were, most of the big guys were down in St. Martin, Antigua area. But the uh, Virgin Islands uh, started to progress into more and more. Um, yeah, Yacht Haven Marina, which is in St. Thomas, and a major, major marina for uh, mega and super yachts. It we used to call it um, Radhaven. Rad when we first went there, it was, <laughs> it was uh, so poor. basically a rundown, uh, hurricaneized hotel with uh, a little dock with wow. docks that maybe fifty percent of them didn't work. Um, but uh, we we spent our first couple of, couple of years in this atmosphere, which was not good for charter guests to show up and see that we were living yeah. in this. <laughs> and now that's greatly, greatly improved. Well, I was going to say, isn't this the one at the IGY marina yeah. that yes. has just won a Platinum Award? Yes, exactly. yes. It's yeah. a fabulous, fabulous marina as far as we're concerned. Yeah. We, thought, we thought it always had potential to, just to be a, a great place. Everyone in their dock ends knows exactly what to do, which is such a pleasure. <laughs> Like when we when we got there when they first opened and and we saw, you know the the line handlers and stuff coming down to meet you and I said well now this is the way it's supposed to be and yeah line handlers was, in uniform <laughs> knowing which line to put where is a is a luxury. But uh, but yeah, the IGY is uh, have they have they seem to have a great system. They brought uh, they brought you could clear in clear out right there in St Thomas. Uh, there's. That's Bote a big improvement. Boutiques and restaurants that were right there at Dockside, yeah. um, which, I, which really uh, made it really quite nice. Yeah. And Another now, change. I was going to say a Go whole ahead. network of marinas around the world. Um, yes. It, you know, we've been all the way down to, to um, uh, Grenada and Trinidad. We've, we've done the whole chain. Uh, in our careers and gone all the way up to uh, New York, Martha's Vineyard, that whole run. Uh, and also on the West Coast, all the way down Mexico, all the way up to Alaska. We have not been to the Med, but we chose we we chose that was a decision we wanted to make. And uh, and all along there, we have seen those kinds of changes. Um, another one of the changes is provisioning. Um, provisioning used to be a real challenge. And when we were first in the BVI, you were lucky if you went in the store and there was anything on the sh on the shelves. Uh, you had to be there on a Wednesday right after the ferry came. And now they have many, many stores and lots of ways to get your provisions to the boat very, very easily. Online services. You can just send yeah. your provision list to the store and they bring it to the dock, which and is. You can pretty much get anything you want now, you know, from anywhere in the world. Exactly. And, and it's cheap, <laughs> which is surprising. Yeah. Yeah. So my other question you is, know? is, um, <laughs> East Coast versus West Coast, because we certainly hear quite a lot of news from Fort Lauderdale in particular in Florida. Um, yeah. But I have to say, here in the Med in particular, we don't hear very much news from the West Coast of the states. Is yeah. It, is well, it West, a different industry, in your opinion, or is it similar? It just provides differently? Well, I think this, the, uh, it's a long way between ports. For one thing, San Diego to San Francisco is a uh, big open ocean, uh, Pacific. <clears throat> uh, San Diego to uh, Cabo San Lucas, that's 700-mile run with nothing in between. Uh, so you pretty and much, all the way up to Seattle your, is 2,000. Um, yeah, there are places to pull in because it's mostly cliffs. And there's... And Seattle's, the Seattle's a great uh, location. They have the San Juan Islands, but a short season. Uh, yeah. That's the other thing. Up in the north, in, in San Juan's, Alaska, uh, Vancouver Island, it is short. You're only, you only do that in the summer for three months. You're then easy, you go to Mexico. You're easy out of there by 
by uh, Labor Day or by the first part of September. And if you're based in San Francisco, which has a lot of marinas, or San Diego or L.A., which has a lot of marinas, the only place you can go is straight out and straight back. Catalina Island you can go to. But other than that, there's there's not a lot unless you want to go far out, 100 miles out and do some scuba diving. You um, you're, you're just not going to do it. It's not like you, there's no place to hop from island to island when the weather's bad on one. You go to another. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen on the West Coast. And the, the Pacific Ocean is a big ocean. It's a serious ocean. And we've been especially coming down from Seattle back down to Mexico. Um, we've had. 30 knot winds and 50, no, 50 knot winds and 30 foot seas halfway of the trip and no place to pull in. You know, it is not welcoming. (laughs) Even our owner got tired of that trip. Our (laughs) owner said, this is not fun. You just got to ground it out. (laughs) Makes it real semen. Well, I was going to say, it sounds like tougher sailing, to be honest. Um, Sailing's probably better than motor yachting. (laughs) At least sailing, you can catch the wind and go in a groove. Motor yachting, you don't do that because of fuel. Yeah, fuel fuel consumption is a is a big deal. But then, um, coming down the coast is fine, but going up is challenging. We have been held up on a trip that should have taken maybe eight days. It took us three weeks because of weather. Oh my! And goodness. we were stuck in a tiny little marina where even the fishing boats weren't going out. It was so bad. So you want to have enough in your provision store to to set you by for three weeks then? Yeah, well, usually there's stores in those little places where you're staying. But what you do need is an understanding owner that when you say I'm not going because of the weather, he says, "Okay, I trust you. Mm -hmm. That's what you really need. And then you don't have that. You go nuts. You need that. You were talking about calm the app for calming crew. That's what you need. That kind of owner. I think that's important for all of us, actually. We would have a weather weather service, and uh, uh, they would tell us what was out, uh, what we were, if we were going between San Francisco to Oregon, um, they would say, okay, this is what you're up against, uh, maybe two days out or three days out, uh, and then you decide if you got a weather window to continue. But usually you saw boats stacked up in San Francisco waiting for weather windows, and they're all listening to the same, you know, weather challenge. And did you have, I mean, I I can only imagine 20 years ago or even 10 years ago, we didn't have the same technology. Um, I say this not from personal knowledge, but Dave was um, in the VSAT and network communications on super yachts. And, you know, it was a very different world when he started out 15 years ago to what we have now. Um, I I guess we have a lot more safety nets in some ways with our digital technology. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's still a nightmare for me. I wish I had Dave on the boats all the time. (laughs) When satellite TV goes out, some of our owners just have an absolute fit. Or if if they can't get on the Internet, (laughs) Wi-Fi. Those are the the two things I dread the most. If someone sits on the remote and screws up the the TV systems, uh, it's crazy. I've spent lots of time up on the top of the yacht messing around with the dome. So. Well, and also, we didn't have the same bandwidth, you know, you no. streaming right. TV was not the same thing 15 years ago at all. Right. Um, well, and when, you know, when we were in 94, when we moved to that grass hut, a phone call cost $4 a minute. It was more than our salary to have somebody talk to us. Um, and of course, now it's, it's relatively free all over the world. Yeah. yeah, you had to get on the phone, get your point across and hang up. <laughs> no chit chat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and even I'm talking then, about the dog. Um, we only had emails really just coming in then as as the norm you know we forget that because that's yeah our other but emails were not as common at all you know they were much no. more business side they weren't on the personal side in the same way and god god forbid you want to send a photo oh <laughs> yeah I mean, I think that's where social media came in because my siblings all live in the states and so posting up pictures was actually one of the easiest ways to update them on how my girls were growing. Um, because yeah. it, it wasn't, you know, we were still printing out photos when my eldest was small. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Social media has come a long way, and, and we used to network through social media. We'd we'd find of all the all the top jobs, and of course, you know, amongst crew, um, they had a little network of uh, you know who's who and uh, who to stay away from, and who to this is a good boat, yeah. that's a bad boat. Yeah, you. Were- <laughs> it was really interesting reading all the all the all the opinions of of people, you know, just through With their experience. Uh, we we even had an owner one time that who threatened us and said that he was going to come out of he was going to come out and write a book about uh, you know uh, all the bad crew. <laughs> and I'm going, we're way ahead of you. We've got a book on all the bad owners. I was going to say, I, um, I I haven't seen one yet, but. Um uh, there have been enough stories shared with us, um, not on air, because people tend to be more discreet, but I'm um, yeah. sure yeah. there's a book out there of, of owners as well, and the most ridiculous things yeah. some people have been asked to do. Well, that same owner was was going to sue us because we were getting off the yacht during a major hurricane, and uh, we just said, you know, we told you when we when you hired us, we do not stay on the boat. We secure it well and get off it. And that's what we're doing. And he just saying, I'm going to bring my lawyers. I'm suing you guys. And, you know, we just explained the Jones Act and left it at that. And he settled down. But, you know, one thing you were talking about how things have changed. And, and now you're talking about crew. The one thing that hasn't changed is there is still a fabulous crew fraternity. Mm-hmm. And no matter where we go, running into other crew that we've passed in the night um, over 20 years is so rewarding and so much fun. They are family to us. Yeah. And that is a, that's a wonderful part of this industry, I think. Yeah, no, I, I totally second that. I, I, it's one of the things I've loved of talking with people in the yachting industry all around the world. And then yeah. we'll get a message in from someone going, God, I met her five years ago and it was fantastic. Um, and there is a very unique network, I think, in the yachting industry that uh, those 24-7 working and living together can create some very deep ties. And when people, you know, leave um, from being on board to being on shore, the ties still remain. You know, you don't go to a yacht show without bumping into people that you know. Um, Gosh, that's so everywhere, true. You know. So um, true. We're going to the we- Newport Yacht Show and then the and then the Fort Lauderdale yacht show we go every year and uh, well, we go just to kind of see who's around and who we can chat with yeah uh, and catch up on the technology and people so that, much great and technology people that know us from you know various experience I wanted to bring up something about the Caribbean that th- uh, you said if we noticed any differences and I I kind of feel that we used to have a lot of really cool watering holes, little tiki bars and places like that. And a lot of those places have turned into chandeliers. And uh, it, that kind of disappoints us at times because a lot of people go to the Caribbean to be around, you know, the little the Caribbean funky. style places to go and, you know, yeah. dirt floors and, and Unique cultural beach. experience. Yeah. Nice beach bars. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, a lot of our little favorite boarding halls have turned into these uh, five-star, which, you know, I can I can see when the, the big mega yachts and super yachts come there that these their clients want to experience this. But I think they also want to experience the, uh, you know, the uh, Jimmy Buffett style type uh, vacation. Um, well, and also I would question whether it, I mean, there are beautiful bars all over the world. You can make you can make a five-star bar anywhere, but one of the beautiful things about traveling is getting to experience the culture, the way people are meeting people from the island or the country you're visiting. And I think maybe with our um, move towards everything being five-star, we miss a little bit more of that direct cultural experience. I agree. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Well, you know, we live. We've had a lot of people that just said, "Well, what happened to the da da da?" You know, how come, how come that, how come that restaurant over there is all of a sudden all glassed in and air conditioned? Yeah. it <laughs> happened to Pirates Pub. It happened to our little bar. Yeah, uh, and it's it's for the better for some people, but it it does lose a little bit of the culture when that happens. Yeah, and I think um, also for crew, you know, who who yeah, I mean, they earn good salaries, but nothing in comparison to those owning the yachts, um, having a place where you can just go down and have a $2 bottle of beer and sit by the sea and, and chat yeah. away with the whole gang. Um, it's a different experience when you're in a more formal, 
a higher grade type bar than uh, a totally bar. Yeah, it's good for their mental well-being to to get down and be casual, you know. Yeah. We yeah. actually have a, an old roommate that lived with us in the BVI who who lived in Mallorca. Yeah, she lived in Mallorca. Yeah, we always wanted to come over for a visit, but never seemed to make it there. But uh, uh, I don't know if you saw 60 Minutes uh, this week, but they did a whole they did a whole thing on um, on Monaco, ah. which was. Pretty amazing. I was blown away. Very interesting. <laughs> on yeah. Monaco or Mallorca? Yeah. On on Monaco yeah. or Mallorca? No, it was it was Monaco. Monaco. Yeah, Monaco. it was Monaco. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, because the talk is all on now since the show is be coming up in two months' time. So, lots of preparations in place for the Monaco Yacht Show, which in some ways is the biggest show in. The Med. There are lots of shows. We have one here in Palma in April time, and um, I, I believe in total there's something like 60 boat shows around the, the globe oh. now. Um, yeah. Wow. But Monaco is is the big and very fancy one here, as Flibs is. I think. I mean, I I have to say when we launched Super Yacht Radio, I hadn't been to Flibs before, and it's a big experience. I mean, it, really? it's it's a it's huge, huge show. Experience. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very exciting, very exciting. Uh, that's uh, I don't know if I'd have anything to wear. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what I discovered in my first twenty minutes is, however pretty my high heel shoes were, they were not going to serve me for the three days I was going to be walking and talking, and I was very no glad kidding. to have brought a pair of flats. <laughs> that that lesson is learned quickly, isn't it? It is indeed. Um, not only are they not only do they need to be flats, but they need to be slip-ons, so you can get on and off the off the yachts easily. Yep, and be comfortable in the heat because it's still hot at the end of September in Monaco. Is it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Um, um, so when does everybody sort of start leaving the med and heading heading um, toward the Caribbean or or to South Florida? I, I would say in, in many ways, um, Monaco Yacht Show is sort of the end, big end of the season here. Um, uh -huh. You know, in, in Mallorca, we have an event afterwards, it's a charity event called Pinmar Golf, where a lot of people who met at Monaco but didn't get enough time to talk come over to Pinmar Golf. But certainly even we can see it in our listener numbers, there's a fluctuation in September, October, where we'll see an increase in uh, come October, November of boats who are transferred from the Med over to Florida. And then again, yeah. we'll see it in April time, kind of fluctuation of the Med to Florida. Yeah, you don't want to go too early because the hurricane season is still happening uh, in September, October. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> but you don't want to leave it too late and, you know, miss making the most of the season in the Caribbean. Right. Yeah. And uh, talking of hurricanes, that that's one thing that hasn't changed. Um, <laughs> no, possibly if, gotten. If anything, they've they've gotten worse. Yeah, I was going to say possibly gotten worse. Did you were you there for the 2017? Um, Not for Irma and Marie. No. Okay. But we were there for quite a few big ones. Yeah. In we... the late 90s, and we've had several. But then once we started working on, on, um, on motor yachts, uh, most of the motor yachts leave the area well before the season starts. Yeah, we did get stuck on a motor yacht up in New York for Irene, yeah, which, was which was threatened to be a 12-foot swell with pilings that were built for 10 feet. Uh, but it luckily passed us by. We were in Manhattan, based there for the summer. And then uh, in the Caribbean, our first experience with hurricanes were Luis and Marilyn, which were 10 days apart and surged to 200 miles an hour and completely wiped out every dock in Virgin Gordia in the British Virgin Islands and, and uh, wiped out 80% of the roofs in St. Thomas within 10 days of each other. Yeah. Uh, that were, the, those were tremendous. Now, we weren't on yachts at that time. We were working at the pub, which got blown away, basically. Um, but we, we, uh, we've been through 12 hurricanes. And luckily for us... Um, Survive the only <laughs> the, the only damage we ever sustained was a cleat broke loose from the concrete dock. We were in Fort Lauderdale yeah, at the time. Shot and, and put a nice ding, yeah, ding in the hall. That's the only <laughs> damage we've ever had, and we're so lucky that way. 
Yeah. So, but we've had, we have a lot of experience getting boats ready for hurricanes. Uh, um. We did have one owner. We were in the Bahamas. The hurricane was coming. We said, we got to get back to Lauderdale. we got to get back. we got to get a, 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 a space. And he was there with his family. It was his boat. He was the owner. And he said, I'm not leaving. And he was from Scandinavia country. So he said, we ride bikes in 50 knot winds. We don't care about this hurricane. And uh, that went on for several days until Winston walked. And, and for three or four days, Winston was boiling inside and taking out basically on me. Got to go, got to go, got to go. Uh, <laughs> but not, you know, being nice to the guests. Finally, he walked out and said, look, the last plane is leaving. Where were we? Staniel Key. The last plane is leaving at four o'clock. If we don't pick up the toys and move right now, Cynthia and I will be on that plane. Right. And he did it. He went, we moved. And we had every toy but known there, to man. There wasn't a motor yacht. There wasn't another yacht in the in the in Nassau. We were no in Stanley Key. There wasn't any yachts there. I think well, we had to stop in Nassau to get fuel. We, and there wasn't another yacht in the marina. It was empty. And even the dock hands are the the dock master came up and said, God, what are you guys doing here? <laughs> I said, I'm fueling and going. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, it has been such a pleasure to talk with you both. We've only got a minute or two before the news. So before we hit the news, um, can you tell us a little bit more? I mean, we've heard some of the... <laughs> the amazing parts of your adventure, but you you have written it together. I believe there your book called There's a Yacht More to Life. Yeah. Um, and people can get this on Amazon, on ebooks. Will you tell us a bit more? Yes, there's ebooks also, available on Amazon and also on bookdepository.com, which is free shipping worldwide. Um, also, you can visit our website called Win winsinbook.com w-i-n like winston mm -hmm. c-y-n like cynthia winsinbook.com and there's a free chapter there you can read about our first transition to that grass hut wow and i have put that link up as well on our social media posts so people can hook into it and i noticed Thank on so much. doing a, a review um, I think every review you've had on Google, uh, on Amazon, have been a five-star review. So yes, we um, have over twenty, and they've all been five-star. Some have said that we have the adventures of Indiana Jones. <laughs> so uh, we've been very excited with the response, and we've been in several magazines. We were in Doc Walk in uh, two different times in the last season. Last one I think was in February or March, and uh, we've been featured in several magazines. And online, Women Who Live on Rocks. That's a great website, uh, and uh, and we've been on that one. So we've we've had great coverage and great response to and the book. Marina Life, fantastic. And Marina Life, yeah, Marina Life as well is uh, has an article on us this month, actually. Well, a great read for anyone in the industry. There's a yacht more to life. Thank you so much, Cynthia and Winston. It has been a pleasure talking with you. You are listening to Super Yacht Radio.